Hello, and welcome to Thrive, a podcast that gives you strategies and inspiration to help you live your best life. Learn from us, two cancer survivors, as we show you how we don't just survive, but thrive. Hi, I'm Dara Kurtz, creator of CrazyPerfectLife.com, a place to go to help you find meaning each day, and author of the book, Crush Cancer, the book I needed when I heard those terrifying words, you have cancer, available on Amazon. Hi, I'm Garth Callahan. I am a seven-ton cancer thriver. But more importantly, I am also the original napkin notes dad. I've been writing notes to my daughter, Emma, and sticking them into her lunch ever since kindergarten. Hey, it's Garth. Normally, we don't have disclaimers before we start an episode, but today I thought maybe, just maybe, we should warn our listeners. If you're sitting down and you're listening to our podcast with your children or your significant other, I am going to go out on a limb and say that this is probably going to be one of our more risque podcasts just because of our guests social media and i'm going to leave it at that and i'm really excited because i often don't get to say the word balls in our podcast so dara take it away so we are so happy to introduce our audience to justin Bickler. he is a men's health activist testicular cancer survivor and thriver founder of a ballsy sense of tumor and abazisenseoftumor.com. Welcome. We are so glad to have you, Justin. I am glad to be here, and I will say that is the first disclaimer I've ever had to sit through. <laughs> but that being said, I feel like I need that like printed on a shirt. Because we take our jobs very seriously here. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I will amend the disclaimer that if kids are 15 or older, they should listen because a lot of this information will be very important to them. So I love that you said that. Let's start out just telling us your story because I think you've got a really interesting story. You were diagnosed with cancer, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe at age 25. And you know, I think that's really important for people to listen to your story. When Dara says interesting and everybody's listening on their phones or they're doing their walk or their car, Interesting is in air quotes because all three of us have had very serious cases of cancer and that is absolutely like not interesting, right? It's awful. Um, well, it is awful, yes. But but you're saying interesting like, hey, like, like I say, because... oh, this is funny, but it's all not right. really funny, right? Okay, no, I'm saying it like the reality is, and Justin, you know what? I don't know the statistics and I that was one of the questions that I really want you to share with us is I don't know testicular cancer statistics, but I know I was saying that one three times. I know, right? I had to like say it really slowly, but there are, let's be honest, there's a ton of women that are diagnosed with breast cancer every year. It's not that abnormal. So when I say interesting in that 25 years old diagnosed with testicular cancer, I feel like, yes, it is very awful. I also feel like people need to listen because they need to learn. That's what I meant. Well, I agree with you. Absolutely. And so an interesting is a way that I describe it. And but Garth, as you said, it's also not a great thing, but it, I ended up trying, grabbing the situation by the balls, if you will. Um, and <laughs> right. I'm going to start writing these down oh and see God, how many we get. I was going to do that too. I just started to tally. <laughs> Please do, because literally every single podcast that I do, I hope that they take a tally and nobody ever does. So I'm glad. So funny, Garth. We were both doing it. Okay. I'm glad that we've got the ball rolling here. All right. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so I was 25. This was about two and a half years ago, coming up on three years this fall. I was 
kind of in the prime of my life. Like I had just moved, bought a house, started a new job. Everything was great. I hadn't been to the doctor in two years previously. Like the last time I was to the doctor was July 2014 for my annual physical. And then much like most guys in their 20s, I was like, well, I'm healthy. I can skip it. And then the following year, I was like, well, I'm healthy. I can skip it. So you felt the annual physical was more a suggestion than the actual annual yeah, it was more of a annual, biannual, every decade, you know, I whatever. See, I can see how that could happen, though, because you're like, I'm fine, I'm busy, I'm exercising, I'm killing it. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, yeah. I would I would come up with excuses that, like, weren't even valid. I'd be like, well, I don't want to pay for it. And they're like, well, your insurance covers <laughs> one wellness yeah. checkup every year. And I was like, well, I'm really busy. And they're like, Justin, you're a teacher. You have the summers off. And I was like, I, <laughs> I just really don't want to go. Like, okay. So you're resistant. Okay. Yeah, um, much like most guys. So um, the one thing that I was not resistant to, however, was doing my monthly self-exams because my pediatrician growing up, who looks like Steven Spielberg, which has nothing to do with the story, but I just like to put that out there. You know, he, he told me that when I, I think I must have been about 15, early teens, he said, you know, something you need to be doing every month is a self-exam of your testicles to be checking to make sure nothing is abnormal, there's no changes in size, shape, you don't feel any abnormal lumps. And so that was one thing that I took to heart. I mean, you don't have, you don't have to tell a teenage boy to touch himself. Like, he's, <laughs> he's way ahead of you on that one, champ. <laughs> um, so, you know, I did it every month. And so in September 2016, I, I checked the boys. Everything was fine. Um, October 2016, so literally a month later, I did the exam again, and suddenly there was two areas of concern I had on my left testicle. I had, uh, I describe it as like a frozen pea, like feel and size on the bottom of the left testicle. And on the same testicle, I also had kind of like what felt like a jellyfish wrapped around um, a rock. And so that was very concerning. So I then picked up the phone a couple of days later I was still really hesitant to call the doctor. And I was like, hey, I just need a quick checkup. When's your next availability? And they're like, December. And I was like, well, what if I were to say there was a lump on or around my testicle? And it was at that point that I realized I shouldn't be making this call while my students were taking a test because that just threw it completely off. I'm just kidding. I really didn't. Know. So you were teaching. You were, I, I was you were a fourth you. grade. You're a fourth grade teacher. I was a fourth grade teacher okay. at the time. Now I'm a okay. teacher of teachers. Um, I was proctoring the SATs talking about my testicles. Yeah. Yeah. You know, nuts is to this exam as cancer to my sack. You know, whatever. Is that, is, that, is that one or two? We're going to count that as two. We're going to count that as two. So I call the doctor. I say, you know, there is a lump on my testicle. And they say, well, we can get you in tomorrow. And I was like, well, where was that appointment two minutes ago? <laughs> so I get to the doctor and nurse does an examination herself. And she's like, yeah, there's something there. And I was like, well, no shit. That's why I'm here. Uh, or no crap. I'm sorry. I don't know if we're allowed to swear here. You can say shit. Yeah, okay, cool. I mean, at this point, we we've, we've had at least five analogies to balls, so we're we're good. <laughs> yeah, it's a little, it's a, that's a little slow. I should pick it up. They go do an ultrasound of my scrotum, which sounds exactly as awesome as saying that sounds, and they found that there's a mass. So I go to the doctor, or they refer me to a urologist, and he says, you know, based on the 
imaging, what I've just felt here, you have testicular cancer. And I was like, oh, well, that's nuts. Um, <laughs> I'll let you tell you that one. Uh, so, but, so I said, you know, what's the next steps? And he said, surgery, we need to do this like tomorrow. And I said, okay, what are you going to do going like for a biopsy? And he says, no, we're removing the entire testicle. And I was like, sir, no, you're doing a biopsy. And he explains to me, and this is something that I learned really quickly, that they can't do a biopsy of a testicular mass because of just how everything works down in that area. Like 90% of cases or more, I forget what the exact statistic is, it ends up being a malignant tumor anyways. So better safe than sorry. And if they cut it and spread the cells, it can mm -hmm. get a lot worse. Um, and the reason it had to be done so fast is, as you can tell from September to October, how quickly things sure. have changed. It's a very yeah. aggressive cancer. So we don't need to get into a whole lot of it, but we've talked on this podcast before about, you know, when you're 25 and you want to have kids one day and blah, blah, blah. Do you want to like touch on that for a second about the fact that you needed to make some quick decisions about yeah. whether or not, yeah, because I think that's something that people need to hear. Yeah. If yeah, you're I, not uncomfortable with that. No, I'm totally good with that. Dora, I mean, I didn't do a tremendous amount of prep for this interview, but I've looked, subscribed, I followed, I read, and I think that he's more than comfortable. I know. I'm just I mean, being nice. I, I, have I to was say, being nice. I mean, I <laughs> between the two of us, you and I, Dara, you know, we both talk about cancer a I lot. Know. Okay. Okay. Our <laughs> levels pale in comparison. <laughs> I know, right? Yes. Like you are so ballsy. Uh, we give her an honorary tally. Thank you. Yeah. One of the really interesting things is that I just turned fifty. Okay. Right. So the the risk factor that i have is very low however i am as i was reading about this and i kind of always knew in the back of my head that the risk factor for young men is significantly higher than mm -hmm. what i would expect and i'm really shocked at as i was growing up you know th there was not a single medical professional that once said to me hey dude you really need to pay attention to this. And for the first two years I was in college, I went to a predominantly male college. You would have think that there would have been a pamphlet or something, but no. Yeah. What are, you know what, now that we're, we've mentioned statistics I and mean, what are the statistics of the percentages of young men that get this? It is an interesting cancer in the fact that it's considered a rare cancer because in the United States, there are less than 10,000 diagnoses per year. Um, however, that has been trending upwards for the last couple of decades, actually. This, in 2019, there's going to be estimated to be about 9,500. So probably by the next two years, probably no longer going to be considered a rare cancer anymore. Uh, uh, but also uh, that, that it is kind of, it'll bring more awareness to it. It is, it is also the, and what, I, what is interesting, even though it's a rare cancer, like I said, the most common cancer in young men. And that's when I told people that I had cancer, a lot of people were like, well, no, you're 25, you're too young to have cancer. And that's just not true. That's, that's true in a lot of cancers, actually. Like it seems to be trending younger and younger, which then 
put puts its whole new set of unique challenges because then we're going to be living either with cancer or beyond cancer for much longer. But like, yeah, the average age is 33. I was 30 or I wasn't 35. I'm not 35 yet. Um, <laughs> I'm 20. I was 25. So I kind of was ahead of the bell curve a little bit there. But yeah, it, it's just one of those things. And it's also because it's so common, but it's also in the time frame where a lot of guys think they're invincible and nothing's going to happen to them. That's often how it becomes kind of deadly because like guys don't, you know, it's, it's in a sensitive area, um, quite literally. And uh, people don't want to talk about it. They rather just kind of brush it under the rug until it's too late, which is sad because in early stage, it's very, very curable, very treatable. It's not until it's metastasized to like your lungs and your brain is when it really gets to be a problem. So, all right. They told you that you were going to need to have your ball removed. Oh, come on, Dora. You can do better than that. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was they basically I assume they were just gonna take like a melon baller and yeah. just kind of sweep it out. Okay. Oh, oh, oh dear God. You're but, welcome, I mean, Garth. How did that were you freaking out about that? Uh, I mean, that's I could I would think that that would be something that like a guy would totally freak out about. Yeah, like and that's when the urologist told me I had cancer. I was like, okay, that's cool. It's a slow Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Spice, spice it up a little bit. And, but then when he told me how to get the testicle removed, that's when I was most upset. Like I wasn't, and like looking back, it sounds ridiculous that like, I wasn't too upset about having cancer. I was more upset that I was going to be losing one of my very best friends in the world. (laughs) And I like, I legitimately tried to talk him out of it. I was like, no, we don't need to do that. I was like, we, you know, let's just, let's just see how this plays out. And I read in one of your things that you said when you got the biopsy back, you were happy that, in fact, it was cancer because you would have been so angry if you had had to re- get it removed and then it had been for nothing. But, you, yeah. I mean, you really weren't happy that it was cancer. But, you know, I totally got what you were saying. Yeah. And that, that was you hit the nail on the head right there because it's exactly like I because there was they couldn't determine if it was definitely cancer. They're like, it's 99 percent sure it's cancer. And they couldn't figure that out. And I was like, what if I'm that 1%? I was like, are you going to put it back in? Because I'm going to be a little angry, a little testy, if you will. (laughs) Um, You know, luckily, and putting that in quotes, it ended up being, uh, that's like, I feel weird finishing that sentence. Yeah, Um, we get it. Yeah, so I think that the three of us, we've all had pretty rough cancer experiences. Dara, you had a biopsy, right? I had a biopsy, yes. Okay. And then I had a double like immediately afterwards. And so I didn't I, even have to think about it. I was like, I'm just take them off. Right. Let's just be done. Just drop them off right here. Yeah. Just but see, I mean, off the is, shirt and... There is a little bit of a difference though, because, and I've always said there's luck in cancer in that, you know, I mean, I was so fortunate I could have reconstruction. You, I mean, I'm assuming there's no reconstruction for. They can, they can put in a prosthetic, but that that was like, I can tell you right now, I don't have a prosthetic. Um, It was nothing that actually was discussed even prior to surgery. And I think that kind of comes down to that looking at me, you wouldn't tell that I only have one testicle versus, you know, looking at someone who goes through a mastectomy, it's pretty clear right off the bat. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. Garth, what were you going to say? Well, so I did not have a biopsy for my kidney cancer. And part of that was, you know, my urologist had a very similar attitude in that, hey, this looks so damn big. 
that mm-hmm. even if it's not cancerous, it's got to come out of your body because it's going to start doing some harm. And mm-hmm. I was very much of the mindset of, hey, you know, if you've got a Play-Doh knife handy, we can do that right now on your table. Um, yeah. I have had prostate biopsies, which are, I would say, the worst thing that I've ever had to experience in the world. I was going to say that does not sound like a fun time. It doesn't. And I've, and I've had multiple. And when they do the biopsy, by the way, they take at least 12 samples. Ooh. So it's not just like one. It's, you know, it's multiple, multiple, multiple. And with the prostate cancer, we actually put the brakes on pretty quickly. We're like, hey, you know what? What are the options? Because there were options and we're very thankful for that. But the three of us have all experienced that, hey, you know what? We need to figure out what to do with this other, this primary cancer right away. Mm -hmm. Um, As I'm listening to you, our primary audience is most likely not young men. However, I don't know why not. They start. <laughs> so here's the, the really good thing for you is that our primary audience is probably moms. Well, and yeah. so how and they do you, have sons. right. And they have sons. So how do you help parents educate their sons to, you know, how to best take care of themselves? And, you know, obviously prevention isn't quite the thing, but early detection, how do you talk to a 35 year old person and help them have a better conversation with their young son? Well, my, my mom is a perfect example of that. Now, prior to me going through cancer, she, you know, she wasn't super over the top about talking about it, but now she'll, she'll text me and she'll be like, Hey, I just saw one of your high school friends. Cause she still lives in Pennsylvania and I live in Virginia. And I was like, Oh, cool. And she's like, I told them to check their balls. And I was like, <laughs> Thanks, mom. I appreciate that. Did you identify who you were? Like, <laughs> start with that. Um, but I, I think it's, I think moms, moms are great, and moms have this certain degree of they can kind of say whatever they want to their sons, and they can always pull that "well, I birthed you" card. And it's it's interesting you bring that up because I literally earlier this week wrote a piece on my. I have a men's health column weekly on the Good Men Project. And that was actually the topic I was talking about because I I asked a bunch of my social media followers recently about why why don't they talk about their health? And one guy said it's it would I feel like it would be awkward to talk to my single mom about my balls. And the, my first thought was, well, you're here so she has some familiarity with balls. <laughs> <laughs> like just, at least once. At least <laughs> once. I think the person had a sister, so twice. But I think it also comes down to, like, aside from yourself, your mom probably spent the most amount of time cleaning up your area when you were little. So, like, Mm -hmm. if if you can think of it in that terms, that she's very, you know. Familiar. Familiar, for lack of a better (laughs) term. But, But it also goes down to a lot of the work that I do. It doesn't have to be a long lecture. It can be, hey you know, you need to be doing this. I heard this story of this guy who luckily is here to tell the story because he knew to check himself. I care about you. I'm not going to do it for you. If you do, that's kind of a little weird thing, but you could, you know, talk to them about how important it is and how it takes, I like how you hit the nail on the head. It's a self-exam isn't going to prevent cancer, but what it can do is help with early detection. And it can be the matter of, you know, a two hour surgery or a two hour surgery followed by like months and months of chemo and then years and years of long lasting after effects. 
So, so that's, that's what with, I was with breast cancer, you know, I feel like there's been so much literature about self exams and I actually found my tumor myself. So doing a self exam really did save my life. And I love one of the things that you've done, Justin, is Justin has this amazing piece of literature and we're going to put it in the show notes. And I just really feel that everyone should take a look at this. It's called testicular self exams once a month, every month. And basically there's four steps. I'm just going to tell you the topics because they're super cute. Rub-a-dub-dub is step one. Show lefty some love is step two. Repeat with righty is step three. And feel something, say something is step four. And then he says it would be nuts to delay or avoid making that call. And so, you know, this is a piece of literature that basically, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, I know that there are many in your life that you love. So send them this piece of literature. You don't even have to say anything. Just, hey, I was listening to this fabulous podcast that you should absolutely subscribe to called Thrive. <laughs> but, not not a, a self-promotion at all there. Nothing. No. But I mean, seriously, you should send them this piece of literature because it really, it really can save their life. And Justin, I totally commend you on going through what you went through and then producing this type of material because it was pretty ballsy of you to um, produce it because, you know, it is a little bit awkward to talk about some of this stuff, but great job. And like I said, it'll be in the show notes for everyone to kind of click on and send to the people that you love. And, you know, even though there are mostly women listening to this, women, we, a lot of us have are in relationships or have boyfriends or husbands. And, you know, these, this is something that we should take a look at as well, because, I mean, we can easily see if there's changes going on in that area with our partners or, I mean, seriously, that's the reality. That is the most like roundabout wave of right? saying you have your partner's fault once a month, you know? <laughs> but, you know I, my, so, my dad might be listening to this. <laughs> but so really good about this today, right? So I remember when I was a teenager and a young man whether it was sex ed classes or just PSAs or my mom was a nurse. I remember the importance that was stressed about women doing totally. self exams and not once, maybe it's because I grew up in a Catholic household, maybe, no. right? but no, not so once right. did anybody ever say to me, Hey, you should go grab your balls. Yeah, um, in fact, like, they, they often said, don't, right? yeah, I mean, they were like, no, 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 no. You're going to go to hell. Um, you're so right, Garth. Nobody talked about it. And the thing is, Justin, we're, we're a little bit older than you are. So you guys don't look a day over 25. Right. But why didn't people talk about it? Or was it just so not prevalent? It's not even a generational thing. It's, it's still going on. Um, and I know this because like I said, I was teaching fourth grade at the time. And when I came back to work and everything, and towards the end of the year, we have to give the year bodies changing talks, uh, which is super fun to give to fourth graders. But I got, and that, you know, that is too young to start talking about testicular cancer. But I started thinking, you know, we have in Virginia, we have a set of standards that need to be taught and there's common core and state standards mm -hmm. so on and so forth. And so I wanted to look nationwide when is it mandated that self testicular self exams? I also do expand it to breast self exams to be, you know, equal. And then you get breast cancer. So I, right. I mean, I, I like that you did that. Yeah. Um, so I, I looked at that and in, at, and this was 
two years ago when I looked at it last, there were only two states in the entire 50 United States that had it mandated in all high school. In addition to those two that had it in, you know, nine through 12, there were 16 additional states that mentioned it only once in one grade level. And then the remaining, you know, 32 states had no mention of it at all. Luckily, Virginia was one of the ones that it was mentioned in uh, the ninth grade and then kind of alluded to in the 10th grade curriculum. So I, I wrote to the state um, and I said, hey, this is a problem. And what are we going to do about it? And so they reached out to me, which I was amazed because normally you don't really get answered. Well, actually, I will say the Department of Education in Virginia is really good at responding to my emails like pretty quickly. So I worked with them for like a year and a half and we ended up developing a comprehensive curriculum that I'm going to be, it's, it was, it's been a process because it has to go through regulatory processes and everything. And then, but we, about a year ago, we finally produced the video. I kind of, I get to be the narrator. And it That's was, amazing. I'm so happy that you did that. Yeah. And so then we'll hopefully starting next school year, my, it's going to start being in the high schools and the school district that I work in now. And then hopefully it'll ripple out from there, but it's, that's definitely, it was, it was fun emailing my supervisor who works at the school board office. And I was like, Hey, I have nothing related to my real job, but I want to start talking to high schoolers about their balls. And they're like, sir, your services are no longer required. <laughs> and I was like, well, and you can no longer come within 500 feet of any school in the state right? of Virginia. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's really weird. This ankle bracelet is very. <laughs> so talk to us a little bit about, cause you're in remission you are, you know, you you're thriving, and how is it like? How do you feel about knowing that there was a time in your life that you had cancer, and what do you feel is like the biggest challenge of living as a cancer survivor? So that that's a, a big part of what I write about, and that's one thing that I, in it, you know, I always say that the bulk of my work that I try to do is directed at the general public because once you're diagnosed with testicular cancer, you're pretty aware of it. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll help how I can. But I think one thing that will help both the, the general public and also other cancer survivors is talking about mental health after cancer because you go through so much stuff so quickly and then all of a sudden they're like, hey, you're fine. We'll see you in a couple months. And it's like, whoa. So I, I went through some pretty severe depression after remission, and I kind of refused to accept that for almost a whole year. I had gone through depression when I was in high school, so I was aware of what to find out. And that's really the most important thing. And if you happen to walk away during the recording, I can't repeat that at all. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, we, um, uh, Dara, we were just talking about the importance of mental health. and Yeah. So, so, yeah. so um, what what helped you recognize that you might need some help, you know, reconstructing your mental health after, you know, after your diagnosis, after treatment, what kind of was your wake up call? My big wake up call was like, as I said, I had gone through it in high school. So I, and I let it go to high school where I was probably about a week away from taking my own life. Like it got very, very severe. And so I realized that after cancer, I was feeling a lot of the same types of symptoms. And I, you know, while I'm not glad to have, as, as I keep like stumbling over my words here with cancer, like I'm not, while I'm, I wasn't happy to go through depression in high school, I was fortunate later on that, that I was able to recognize those symptoms earlier. But what really 
what it really came down to was I went in for like my one year scan to make sure everything was all clear. And my oncologist was like, how are you doing? And I said, I'm good. And he's like, but how are you really doing? And just taking the time for him to ask that and recognize like he does a fantastic job. He really hits the ball out of the park on being a great um, oncologist and treating the whole person and not just a patient. And I, I think that's one thing that we don't talk about as much in society. And I think it's also something that like it, it puts, and by no one's trying to do it, but it puts like pressure on the cancer survivor. Because I, I remember when I told my coworkers that I was in remission and I was, you know, doing okay now, they're like, oh, you must be so happy. And while, yeah, I'm, I'm happy, I'm not actively dying, but I have to now come to terms with that I was actively dying like a couple months ago. And so I, you know, I, I found, I went to therapy, I went to online therapy, I sat on antidepressants, I do a lot of writing, I exercise, I, I do things that bring me happiness. But recognizing really, you know, this is a thing, you're not alone, and it is normal, I think that's one thing. I think that's really, and there's various organizations that are starting to catch on and do more with mental health after cancer, which I think is great. But I think that's something that we need to talk about more as a cancer community. So I'm currently being treated at UVA, and one of the things that I'm very grateful for is that they, they actually say, hey, we, we treat all of you. And, and they really mean it, right? It, it's not something that it's not lip service. They're not, it's not a pamphlet or a sign in their lobby. And so once about every 90 days when I go in, so one time out of three, I am given a tablet and they tell me up front, hey, we are going to assess your financial and mental stress right now. And if, if it turns out that you have too much stress in either one of those categories or both, we are not basically we're not going to let you leave until we send you either to financial services or to mental health and get some appointments scheduled up that's and amazing it, it really is amazing and you know i know that i've told this story before but justin hasn't heard it so i i love to tell my stories and no one tells a story like garth <laughs> and, I, and i have i have run out of audience members at this point so i was really angry after my first diagnosis i didn't recognize that in myself but I was like always on the verge of losing my temper and always on the verge of just like losing it. Never quite stepped over. And so it was pretty hidden. My wife didn't recognize it. Emma didn't recognize it. But it was always just there seeping, just waiting to boil over. And um, about a year after my first surgery, Lisa got me an Xbox for Christmas. And I, I thought a couple of things. One is how how kind of her, because she hates electronics, that she had to go and spend God knows how many hours at Best Buy picking out the right Xbox for me. Right. It, was, it was such a fantastic gift because of that. But then my, my, my second thought was, oh my God, I'm dying. <laughs> because there's no way in hell that my wife would go out and buy a game console for me unless she in, intercepted a phone call from my oncologist and found out that I didn't have much longer to live. And well, let's, let's let Garth have the best days of his life at the end, right? But then my daughter and I started playing Halo and all of the anger, all of the nightmares that I had been having, I'd had nightmares almost every night. They stopped immediately. And I thought to myself, okay, 
there's some correlation here between me, you know, killing some virtual soldiers and aliens and the fact that I feel a little bit better and I'm sleeping better. I'm not having these really violent nightmares. Maybe I should get some help. Yeah. That was a real challenge. I think not just as a human being, but I think as an American male, we are not conditioned or trained or even given permission to go seek proper help. Mm -hmm. And to kind of go off from that, like the one online therapy that I did, it was in kind of like the research phases and it was through researchers from Australia. And so like after every session, it was like rate your mental well-being and it asked you a little bit more. And I thought it was kind of just like an automated thing. But and after like a week of me being like, no, I'm not doing well, I'm not doing well, I'm not doing well. The lead researcher from across the world, like literally reached out and was like, hey, you know, I I've been reading your results as they come in. I think you need to, you know, get some more help. And I thought that was incredible, like that someone like it was it really took some guy who, for all intents and purposes, we're probably never going to meet face to face. But it just took one guy to reach out and be like, hey, do a little bit more. Take take care of yourself. And I think it it needs to be as simple as that. Or like how you were saying, like how what VCU does. I, I think, you know, and going back to your point, like, yeah, guys, sometimes needs to be forced into it. But or maybe not forced for lack of a better term. But I think we need to be given permission to say that I'm I'm not okay and yeah, that's okay. Yeah, for sure. To be okay with not being okay, 100%. I agree. All right, so, so I'm going to I'm going to turn this to a little bit to a lighter note. <laughs> yeah, cuz we went um, Yeah, this life. is this has been a heavy a heavy conversation. So, for those of you listening, you obviously can't see Justin or his room, but I can and can see that he's kind of made this little corner of Avengers. And he has a, a street sign, iron something. I can't quite make it out above the doorway. Oh, that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so I can see Thor and Captain America. And, you know, you, again, we've just met during this podcast. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. And that I, I noticed of, that behind you. Oh, uh, yeah. So um, <laughs> I actually, you know, just came back from Star Wars Celebration in, in April now I've only gone to two, but I actually wear Star Wars shirts to every single medical appointment. That's kind of how I stand out as a patient. And I have to say that the most recent Avengers movie is now, in my mind, better than half of the Star Wars movies that I've seen. So that's a really big step for me. But I'm glad you felt this was a safe place to admit that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> First time ever, by the way. But so I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, okay, if you were, and I'm putting you on the spot here. If you were to take some of the, the Avengers that are behind you and have them come up with slogans for young men, because think about it, that's perfect, right? If you if they were to come up with slogans on you know how they should be checking thing one and thing two, what kind of slogans would they come up with? So I've done this before. So oh, outstanding. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the one, it's been a while. I think the one I came up with for Thor was like, Together, by doing your regular self-exams, we can bring the hammer down on testicular <laughs> cancer. That's um, awesome. There was, for Captain America, I had something like, you're your own best shield against testicular cancer. I like it. For Hulk, 
Hulk was some sort of play on the word incredible. I can't remember. And then Iron Man was, yeah, I took the one quote from the first Avengers movie where he's like, if we can't protect the world, you can be damn sure we'll avenge it. So I took it and I was, I wore an Iron Man costume to work that day. Cause it was like superhero day or something. So I took a picture of me and I was like, if I couldn't protect my own balls, you'll be damn sure I'll avenge yours. I love, oh, it. I love it. That's amazing. I love it. <clears throat> that is awesome. Cool. Garth, do you have a napkin note for us today? So, you know, Justin, my thing is that I have been writing notes to my daughter, Emma, and sticking them into her lunch ever since kindergarten. Oh, cool. So she's now 19. She just finished her freshman year of college. I still do it. And when I was, as I was looking through some of the previous napkin notes I've written to Emma, not once did I find the instance of the word balls. And, and it really is. And so I was kind of struggling because I don't have a napkin note. However, I decided that I was going to search for synonyms. And so I searched for the word courage because often you say, Hey, you know, have some balls and you're, you're saying have some courage. And so I'm going to take one of the notes that I wrote to her a few years ago and do a little bit of word switch out. And so Emma, if you're listening, forgive me, I really did not write this note to you, but dear Emma, it takes practice and balls to stand out from the crowd. Love nice. Earth. That was awesome. I love that you did that. Very cool. So another thing that we do, Justin, when we're on the podcast is we talk a little bit about giving our audience a thriving tip. And we would love it if you had some special little thriving tip, which is just like a little nugget of goodness that you could give to our audience. A little nugget. A little, <laughs> a little nugget of one nugget. Um, so, hey, you know, I was thinking about this. I always try to look for the good in having cancer and mm-hmm. what good has come out of this for me. And I was thinking, gosh, you know, now you actually have to spend only half the amount of time every month doing an exam. I mean, that's, You're, it's so I, much I, a time saver for you. It really is. And I'm so much more aerodynamic now. Like my mile time is amazing. Like had I gone through this in high school when I was a cross country runner, I would have I would have taken the national title. Oh, we are so um, bad. We really are. So <laughs> this is kind of a newer slogan that I've come up with, but I think it will apply to really any sort of cancer for thriving beyond cancer. And it's it's four words, it's pretty simple. It's sack up, speak up. What I mean by that is take your own experience and you can help somebody else. Mm, we love that so much. It's perfect. Thank you and, so much. And you absolutely are taking the situation that you've been dealing with and turned it around and you are absolutely saving lives through educating and being out there and making people aware of what to look for so that they can speak up and ask for help and get the care that they need. So just I want to thank you. And before we go, I, I want to just leave our audience with this. I did take some time and I actually did a quick bit of research in between the twister touching down <laughs> and, and, and today. The top four euphemisms that urologists use for testicles would be the wedding tackle, okay. itchy and scratchy. I haven't heard that one. Crown jewels and naughty bits, which actually is kind of lame. Uh, I've I mean, only heard I, one of those. I, I would expect urologists to come up with something better than naughty bits. I personally, I think that we should start saying things like broveries. Oh, I like it. Uh, or or maybe overhees. Oh. Uh, but we we need to work. Oh, look, Dara's <laughs> she's scrunching her nose up. I like uh, the crown. I like the crown jewels. That, I like that. I like bronads. 
And Bronads. Oh yeah, that's good. I like th that's actually perfect. I'm writing that one down. All right, yeah, so um, that'll be in your next napkin note. It actually might because I asked Emma if she wanted to come in and listen to this, and she, she was, politely she was like, "Please declined. no." <laughs> uh, but I'm sure she'll listen to the podcast later. We well, really want to thank you for coming yeah. on. This has been a fantastic experience. Yeah, it's thank it's so really much. been a ball. We're so glad we got to talk to you. All of your um, links, everything will be in the show notes. And before we say goodbye, Garth, do you have the final tally? I do. Not including what we just went through, like the last 10 seconds. The final tally actually came up a little short of my expectations. It was only 12. Uh, if I include what we just did in the past 10, 20, 30 seconds, yeah, we almost doubled it to 24. So that's pretty good. <laughs> that is, I mean, but had, had we had this conversation prior to October 2016, I would have had twice as much to work with. Oh, I'm done. And with, and with that, we say goodbye. Have a great one. Thanks, you too. Thanks for listening. Thrive is created with the hope that we help you develop motivation and inspiration to make your life remarkable. You can find out more about me at napkinnotesdad.com. I invite you to get my free audio download, Reclaim Your Life, at crazyperfectlife.com with tips and tools to help you feel your best. It would mean so much to us if you shared this with your friends and family and left us a review on iTunes. Remember, you deserve to thrive. Thrive Podcast is copyrighted by Dara and Garth.